Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun, our weekly podcast with stories about the weather and climate and how they interact with our everyday lives. I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore, and over the past three months, our stories have been focused on getting you ready with all the information that you needed to take everything that summer has to offer head on, from coronavirus to Hurricane Isaias, from now the autumn chill that's starting to show up in some of the eastern parts of the country, to the exploding western inferno with record heat and wildfires. The summer of 2020 has been like no other in our lifetime. So here in our final episode of our summer series, episode number 12, we will get to the transition time to get back to school. In fact, next week we'll start a back-to-school series. So I thought we needed to get an idea of how the weather will unfold for the upcoming fall. Paul Pastelock is here with our first Rays of Focus segment. We'll start by recapping the summer forecast and then follow that up with a second segment, honing in on some of the important parts of the fall forecast that folks will need to know. And then my friend meteorologist Heather Zare will join me and we'll focus on the important weather factors that people will be seeing for this coming weekend, including that heat and wildfire situation out west and potential tropical situation and problems in the east. Friends, it's time to talk about everything under the sun. Paul Pastelock joined AccuWeather 28 years ago and has now become our senior meteorologist and our lead United States long-range forecaster. He and his team just recently put the finishing touches on the fall forecast for the United States for 2020. And I sat down with Paul to talk about the summer that we've been through and the autumn that's ahead. Paul, can you believe that we are talking the fall for? I think I just talked to you about the summer forecast like a week or so ago. I mean, where did this summer go? I mean, it's been a lickety split, and here we are facing down the fall forecast. But I wanted to spend a little time here at the top here talking about the summer. And I thought overall, amazing job by you and your team in terms of the summer forecast. You know, we were talking as we were preparing, while the numbers may come out a little lower in terms of some of the extreme heat numbers that we may have thought, the overall patterns of ideas of heat waves and dry spells and then breaking those dry spells with some rain in places have all pretty well come together. I think uh, it's been a summer that has been very interesting, but not one that wasn't expected. Yeah, you know, I think things have worked out as far as the trends go. I think things have worked out very well in timing of those trends. In fact, the comfortable weather coming into the middle part of the nation, calling that back in April, was a pretty good forecast. Uh, They're going to be seeing at times some comfortable weather in places just outside of Chicago and St. Louis and Indianapolis, at least compared for this time of the year. The east, they had some surges of heat. But with the onset of some rainfall over the past uh, several weeks, the 90-plus readings have started to come down a little bit, which we expected. And 
things have worked out pretty good. The dry spells back and forth with wet spells, like you said, Dean, I think have worked out pretty well for the Northeast. And, um, you know, as you talk about that, we're, we're currently going in through one of those really nice stretches as we record this here. Uh, we're looking at some really nice stretches, uh, the, the Upper Great Lakes, uh, Chicago over to Detroit. Uh, when I talk on WBBM and WWJ, I mean, right now, this is Dean's List stuff for them. It's trying to push into the Northeast. I'll tell you the one thing that Am I surprised or not about this troughiness that continues along the eastern seaboard that is giving me gray hair, Paul Pastelock? I mean, every time I think the dry air is going to win through the northeast and down to, say, the Delmarva, can we get a front through to the Delmarva? No. The troughiness holds it back. I mean, we did it today. Big thunders, a tornado warning just south of New York City this morning because the front didn't clear. So, can we get can we get a real Bermuda high? Would it please stand up? Can we, I mean it's just it's been a kind of a pseudo Bermuda high here as we built in. When you look at the past and you look at other seasons as well, it seems like where it's dry, it wants to stay dry. Okay, and where it gets wet, it wants to stay wet. It's like in the winter time where it's snowing, it seems like it just wants to continue to snow there. So this is and this is one of your grandmother's little sayings that does it actually holds water. Drought begets drought. But there is some science behind it because I think there are these micro boundaries that set up where we do have some dryness, drought going on in, in Ohio, Western Pennsylvania, New York, and then meanwhile, Philadelphia and D.C. and Baltimore have seen what several inches of rain in the past month. So there's some type of boundaries that Mm. kind of figure their way out and you never get out of it until you start getting into a pattern where you start getting a little bit more jet stream action, a little more push. In August, you don't get much push. There's not much wind aloft. So things don't move as fast. And I think we're kind of caught in that. Plus this big high in the West that's brought all this heat and and dryness there as well is stuck as well. And, uh, mm. you know, the pattern is just not moving in the West as well. So, you know, back and forth, uh, you know, you look at both sides, East Coast, West Coast, things are not moving right now. And so you can't get much change. Now, some people have been lucky to be stuck in some good stuff for longer periods of time. Other people have been stuck in some bad stuff. Um, you know, I think uh, a lot of places will be kind of in transitional zones. Uh, keep saying, uh, we keep talking about in the office, I think uh, New York City and maybe the like the southeast coast of Boston all the way down to the Carolinas. The next couple of weeks, that's going to be like a battle zone between some of this nice drier air that's wanting to push in and then the warm and humid air and whatever coming at us tropically as we get in the next couple of weeks. And that all plays in together. So maybe it's another, you know, I think Isaias really flipped us to this pattern, right? This is, yes. it seemed to me like Isaias was the mechanism that got us now into this almost block lock. Is it another system coming down the pike in a couple of weeks that does the same thing again? That I'm not sure about uh, because I'm just trying to make sure the two systems that we're watching over the Caribbean and the Atlantic right now, can they fight through obstacles to maintain some type of tropical development out of it. Tropical organization and keep developing as it goes farther west. Right, exactly. And so if they can, then yes, I think they could have an impact again on the East Coast, trying to keep most of the moisture there and then drier as you get into parts of the Ohio Valley, Midwest, and uh, Mid-Mississippi Valley again. So the thing is, though, there's a lot of obstacles those two systems have to go through. 
I do think there's going to be a lot of rainfall in the southeast. That area is just starting to get hit over and over again. We haven't seen a summer where they get a lot of thunderstorms popping up from time to time. That's supposed to be the general rule. We haven't seen much of that over the past right. seven years. Yep. And so but, they went through that kind of a pattern this year. And I just think that, you know, yeah, maybe another tropical system. We are getting into the peak season. The conditions right now are very favorable for the next three weeks to see more action in that zone. So, yeah. Well, Dan, Dan talked about that about a week or so ago. He, he was kind of sounding the alarm bell that we could get into, was it an explosive period? Mm-hmm. I'm talking about Dan Kalowski, our hurricane expert. But he then also talked about this little pause, which we've had here for a week or so after Isaias. But yeah, I think we're getting down into that couple of weeks. That's uh, uh, going to be critical here to see maybe an explosion in development. You know, and also another thing is uh, we'll work towards the true fall forecast here coming soon, folks. We're talking to Paul Pastelock on everything under the sun. He leads our long-range forecasting team with a, an amazing uh, group of folks who uh, work long and hard. And, and, and because, uh, you know, things are changing and, and with the world the way it is. And, and as I was thinking about this, Paul, I think the fall forecast, at least in the beginning, is really important now because uh, uh, some dynamic changes here in the way we're living with a lot of folks are going to have a lot less things to do with the lack of sports that we're seeing develop on the college and now even the high school level in terms of organized things. And so I think more people are going to want to take advantage of maybe some deferred time off too from earlier in the pandemic time frame that late spring, early summer. So I think this transition, and I think we're, we're, we've been noticing this, the weather pattern in the Northern Hemisphere has lent itself to longer stretches of nice weather farther into what we traditionally thought of fall. And as we lead towards that fall forecast, I think uh, there's going to be some people, they're going to have some opportunities to use some of that more free time, maybe. Yeah, I do. And, you know, <laughs> I'm going into my busiest season, uh, getting into September. September and October when we make our forecast for the winter forecast. So I'm going to be spending a lot of time indoors. So I'm going to be jealous of all you guys. Out <laughs> right. There. Being able to look out and see that nice weather going through this. September <laughs> it kind of stinks for me. But the thing is, is that I feel for some of the school systems that are allowing kids to come back in for face-to-face teaching because these kids are going to have to wear masks. And I'm looking at a kind of a nonstop summer for places in the Midwest, Ohio Valley, Great Lakes, Northeast. And so they're going to be in these classrooms. Now, not every school has air conditioning. I know that we're changing. Or effective air conditioning. Some may have it, but it may not be very effective. Exactly. So it's going to be pretty uncomfortable for some of those kids. And then even the kids indoors, again, not everyone has air conditioning or central air. You know, I don't know about you guys, but when I try to study in warm weather toward the end of the year, it's hard for me to concentrate and they're going to want to get outside and do stuff. I think it's going to be kind of tough for these kids. You know, I think that push has been there for the last couple of months and and you then you see it uh, manifesting itself in in behavior and stuff, especially Mm -hmm. with the younger generation. And it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. Let's take a break right here. When we come back, we're going to talk in depth about the fall forecast and bring up some of those points. Looks like a, a very nice start for a lot of the country in terms of having a good weather to be outdoors. I think my uh, garden's going to keep growing for a little while longer this year and all those good things. We'll get the full fall forecast from Paul Pasolak and AccuWeather.com. This is everything under the sun. Listen to Weather Insider every weekday for a discussion on trending weather news with me, Bernie Reno, and Evan Myers. 
You'll get detailed insight into major weather events and learn the why behind the weather. Just subscribe to Weather Insider on your favorite podcast platforms today. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun. I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore, joined by Chief Long-Range Forecaster Paul Pasolak from AccuWeather.com. And, you know, we're uh, getting ready to kind of break down this fall forecast. So one thing that we really didn't kind of touch on here in that opening segment when we were kind of recapping the summer is this this last couple of weeks, lack of monsoon moisture, dry thunderstorms, fires have exploded out west here in the last couple of weeks. Paul, this is a really potentially dangerous situation here in the next uh, couple of weeks out west. You know, it's one of those things when you make a forecast this far out for fires, because the peak season, a lot of these places is not until the end of the summer into the fall, you're kind of sitting back and you don't want to hope that happens because it's devastating for folks out there. But everything just kept coming together and coming together, which is a little late on the heat getting up there. But once we got that heat surge, followed by some dry thunderstorms in the past couple of weeks, it just took off, Dean. And I, I really am very nervous, especially the area from Northern California, getting into parts of Utah, Western Montana, parts of Eastern Oregon, that area right there. It may be short in some places, but it's going to be ferocious here in the near near term right now. Then there's also another area of high fire danger uh, in the Northeast and, and places where we live here in central Pennsylvania. I mean, I'm I'm like walking on cement on my grass now and playing disc golf every day. I get like, it's great. You know, golfers are getting probably 40, 50 yards a roll with their golf drives. And I'm getting probably roll when my throw the right disc another 20, 30 feet because it's so uh, hard. But that's not good for the situation where things are dry as a tinder. And so there's some high fire danger in places we don't expect it in the fall necessarily in the Northeast, right? Yeah, there's some good and bad things going into the fall for the Northeast. The one is the fire threat in parts of the area. Not everyone, but parts of the area, because there's a lot of places like myself, I haven't had a you know drop of rain in 12 days. You know, it's like the grass is brown and these leaves are getting uh they're gonna they're gonna start falling early. You're gonna see a lot more dryness still around into September, and that, you know, you start kicking up the wind a little bit. And if anyone is out there camping, doing some late camping, you know, it all it takes is one fire and things can get out of hand. So I'm a little nervous about that as well, Dean. But on the good side, hey, you were talking about gardening before. Mm. Hey, my, my tomatoes are gigantic <laughs> this year. Well, as long as you can water them, right? Yeah, I've, been, right? I've been using anything I can, but it's yeah. like, that's the only good thing I'm seeing outside is this yeah. garden with these big red tomatoes. Everything else is just brown. And uh, the pools too, trying to keep my pool filled has been tough. But there's some good and bad things. You're going to be able to do some outdoor activities this fall in the Northeast, but at the same time, you got to be careful because if we start kicking up some fires, people, you know, going camping, doing the trips, like you're saying, late in the season, things might get a little out of hand there. All right. So we're talking with Paul Passlock. This is now the full fall forecast. Uh, again, uh, we break it down the highest uh, risk for time period for wildfires. He broke down the West and then the parts of the Northeast. Uh, let's talk about the drought outlook overall. It looks like it will uh, be moderate to severe parts of uh, West Texas, the panhandle there, the northern panhandle of Texas, the panhandle of uh, Oklahoma back through uh, parts of Wyoming and, and North Dakota and then Colorado in those areas, and then some parts out west, uh, some minor to moderate drought continuing in the northeast. Do we get some relief here in central Pennsylvania at all, till, or does it hold off till late in the fall for uh, folks in the interior parts of the northeast been really dry? Hey, let's start with the west first. Let's go back yep. to the west a little bit. We had a lack of monsoon moisture. What we right. look at 
in mid-July, we start to see moisture creep its way up through Mexico and eventually get into the Four Corners region. It's called the North American Monsoon. I right. call it the Southwest Monsoon, but it, technically it's the North American Monsoon. The reason that's a monsoon is because that is the abnormal flow for anything in that part of the world. 90% of the time, things are flowing north to south. This is things that are coming, basically the moisture is coming from south to north. Exactly. And, you know, those folks, a lot of those places, they get about 30 to 40% of their rainfall from this period from mid-July to early September for the, for the annual rainfall. And they just haven't got it. They've just been missing. It's been weak. High pressure has been taken over. And what that does is it kind of sets a precedent going further down the road here. Because if we go into a season like we're going to what we call La Nina, La Nina usually means that we get a lot of northern branch systems and the southern branch starts to relax a little bit. And so if these folks are not getting the rainfall, they may not get much over the winter. We could be looking at a long-term drought setting up, not just in the fall into the winter, maybe a long-term drought into next year. And it's, it's pretty severe right now, Dean, out there in the southwest. And, and La Nina's too, you don't get a lot of tropical systems. We did have a perk of uh, systems develop in the eastern Pacific just recently. but most of the time you don't get a lot of systems to develop. So your chances of getting any systems to bring you moisture in the next, you know, month and month and a half, it doesn't look very good, Dean, at this point. Well, that certainly that's uh, something I, I agree, Paul. That sounds uh, really dangerous and uh, something that needs to be monitored here going forward. And then the other thing on the bad side, we're kind of talking about the bad things of fall, would be some late season severe weather. Looks like there could be some maxes of that in the middle of the country. The bullseye maybe like Omaha down to uh, parts of Oklahoma, over to Chicago, and maybe into parts of the Tennessee, western Tennessee Valley. Uh, November may see some severe weather across the lakes, uh, water spout season with the intense changes between very warm air and probably some rapid cool downs I would expect there. And then some severe stuff October and then again, December in the Southeast or some areas where we could see some severe thunderstorms this fall. Yeah, not much difference except for a couple things. Uh, the, the area in the Midwest, a little farther north on the severe weather threat this year, generally because we are going to be in a La Nina this fall, which is a more northern branch setup for storm tracks. So it may be a little bit farther north. Plus, we have a lot of warm air that's still in place all the way through most of the fall season. And the, in the area near the lakes, the water levels again this year running way above normal. Way high, yep. And it'll take time to cool off those lakes. And I don't see much cooling coming in September and October. But you get a rush of cool, which we think could happen in November. That unstable situation mm-hmm. could set up, like you said, the possibility of severe weather and maybe some water spouts. I think yeah, that's we it. we saw that we saw that. I remember last fall, and that's been uh, you know it's thing, funny things are increasing trends. I see that increasing trend for more water spout activity in the fall. I'm seeing you know more convection here in central Pennsylvania and more chances for uh, things to be a little thundery times of the year when we we don't think so again. Uh, let's talk about the harvest forecast. I think this is also interesting. And, you know, uh, one area that's in good shape is on or ahead of time, uh, Missouri up to Iowa. Uh, now, one exception may be there was some, obviously, some wind damage with the derecho just a week or so ago in parts of Iowa over to uh, Chicago. But uh, for the most part, I mean, uh, elsewhere, all the way to western Pennsylvania, down to uh, the Appalachians uh, in Kentucky, really good harvest conditions and on or ahead of schedule. Uh, the places that may be problems, you uh, highlight delay by wet weather up in the Upper Plains, 
uh, the Dakotas, uh, eastern parts of uh, Montana, and then we're looking at Minnesota, and then some planting concerns in the uh, middle of the country with uh, the dryness there. You may not be able to plant some winter wheat. Is that an issue? Yeah, this is mostly timing of harvesting and planting at that time of the year more than the condition of the crop when we do this forecast. And because of the fact that we are still thinking there's going to be some thunderstorm complexes in the far northern part of the U.S., that could limit the amount of time that you have up there, which is a short time to harvest what you need to do. So there could be some small delays up there, although we've seen some, you know, some spread out time periods where it does get a little dry. The Southwest Plains and Western Plains, that's a concern because we're just not seeing the moisture getting there. And that could be a concern for farmers, whether or not they're going to go ahead and plant and how much because of all the dryness. And if we don't get any relief anytime soon or into the fall, they may decide not to do it. Going hand in hand with that in some of these warmer temperatures, it does lend itself to a a later average early frost for what, northeast quadrant of the country from the upper Midwest and upper plains, Minnesota down to Kansas uh, and Missouri all the way east uh, from the the, uh, North Carolinas up into the New England uh, may get some extra growing time. And my flower, like I said, my flowers may go a little longer here this uh, fall. Yeah, everything seems to be later. The The change of the leaves may be later in the Northeast and uh, those areas, as you, you just mentioned, the warmth being the case. But it also may be a plus for harvest season. Even if you do get some rain, maybe in early September uh, a little bit or late September, you can still have plenty of time to get it in if we don't expect a good frost or freeze to come in un- until maybe a couple weeks later than normal. So, yeah, I think that we've been talking a lot about negative uh, in the fall forecast, but a plus is is that with the warm temperatures and extension of the harvest season, it may help out because of some of the dryness and the uh, severe weather that we've had that's kind of disrupted the yields uh, so far this season. Could be a high risk of flooding with some of those uh, showers and thunderstorms that set up in the southeast here as we go through the fall. Precipitations amounts those areas, uh, the Gulf Coast uh, from about uh, Biloxi, Mississippi, up through Atlanta and up into uh, parts of the Carolinas to the northern half of Florida, and then the Pacific Northwest corner, uh, mostly the coastal areas of Oregon and then most of the state of Washington, they seem to be a little bit above normal. That uh, drought uh, brewing that uh, looks like long-term stuff with uh, less than, what, about 50 to 75% of normal rain in yeah. much of the southwest part of the United States here this fall. Yeah, you're right, Dean. And, you know, the thing is, is two things. First of all, in the southeast with the thunderstorms and the showers and storms, we're kind of featuring severe weather in the southeast in October, and then we do it in December. The October is mainly because you do get severe weather with tropical. And so we do think it's going to be a longer tropical season. In fact, it may linger all the way into November uh, this coming season. We're we going to run out of storm names this year? We might. I mean, 2005, we had 28 named storms to record. We're forecasting 20 to 24. We could see it even higher than the 24. So we'll have to see on how it does. But the the severe weather threat, yeah, and climatology says, hey, you can still have severe weather in December in parts of the Carolinas and Georgia. And so we felt that that was still a good pattern to be set up. Northwest, we're, again, going back to the La Nina theme. Right. Uh, we do think that it gets pretty active as far as frontal boundaries getting into places like Washington, Oregon, Western Canada. And they may get their ski season off to a pretty good start. After seeing some heat here in the late summer, early fall, they may flip the you know switch there and uh, 
and it'll be skiing by late fall. So, so yeah, let's uh, look then at the overview map. We kind of talked the details. Now let's talk the overview. Northwest wet, as we just said, um, even the interior parts of the Northwest get chilly by midfall. Uh, the Upper Plains, uh, upper uh, all the way up into the Dakotas, thunderstorms early, hot and dry early. Uh, northern and Central California up through Western Nevada, dry and warm from Las Vegas through Phoenix and up through Denver, Saint uh, Salt Lake City. Very warm early. It looks like St. Louis this week is having Nirvana in the low to mid 80s for most of the week. They got some heat coming back. I, I warn them that Dean's list weather is going to go away for a little bit. Tropical threat through at least October for the uh, Gulf Coast up into the uh, Atlantic Coast up to the Carolinas. And then a nice warm Northeast. If you're blessed to live in the Northeast, you may get some bonus time to maybe to be able to head to the beaches in September and October, early October. May not want to get in the water quite that much, <laughs> but it'll be pretty nice over those areas. So, Have you seen the increase in sharks too along the yeah. East Coast? I mean, I know that's been happening the last few years, but this year it seems, uh, maybe it's just getting a lot of coverage, but I've seen no, some. I, I mean, there was some at Cape Cod uh, when I was up there in July, and then it's shifted now, it looks like, to uh, off Long Island has had a couple of uh, sightings here of late. So, and Water temperatures are well above normal. If they stay like that, you know, any one of these systems uh, coming out of the north hits that warm water. It could get a little interesting in New England early on in the winter season. So, Paul, again, uh, thanks so much to you and your team for doing such a great job. Uh, we look forward to this. Uh, we're going to transition from our summer series into a back-to-school series. So as we get a little bit into the month of September and folks are getting in back to school, we'll maybe revisit some of these ideas as we go through the fall in terms of the long-range forecast. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Again, a reminder that this episode's information in terms of the weather is really geared to some more long-range situations. Obviously, there is a lot to talk about this weekend in terms of the explosive wildfires out in the West and also this tropical activity, whether we get uh, both uh, Laura and probably Marco get named this weekend. Those are things that you need to keep checking with our AccuWeather.com website on our AccuWeather network and throughout all of our media partners. And your AccuWeather app is also updated. In fact, please go back to last week's episode, episode 11. If you have not uh, tried the new AccuWeather app, you need to download it. There's great information in last week's episode uh, from the folks that uh, helped design and develop it about that app. So again, that's the place to be this weekend in terms of keeping up to date with the immediate weather. We will get a look at that weekend in kind of general terms and some of those issues with our meteorologist Heather Zare when we come back. This is everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. Make AccuWeather Daily a part of your daily routine. Enable the flash briefing and say, Alexa, what's my flash briefing? To access this content on Google Assistant, all you have to say is, hey, Google, talk to AccuWeather Daily. You'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun here as we get ready to uh, continue our final summer series episode edition here, episode number 12, as we look to make that turn into the school year. That's what we'll be doing next week, starting our back to school series. And, you know, there's some places in the uh, country that have had uh, a little taste of fall here over the last few days. And as we head into the upcoming weekend, some of those places will hold on to that and some places will get awfully summery again. And we have some Interesting weather to look at again in the tropics as after a little bit of a break, those things are heating up. I am pleased to welcome uh, someone who's become a dear friend in addition to a co-worker and someone who I work with in the trenches every morning. Heather Zare was, I believe you were only the third 
female meteorologist, full-time meteorologist hired. Is that right? At the time? Yeah. And I was just kind of reading a little article, remembering our friend, Kathy Francis, who was the trailblazer in the department back in the day. And, you know, Heather, I I know this is a time Heather's got three children, uh, a set of twins, and then, uh, and then a younger one. And then, they're uh, all getting ramped up ready for school. And as we get ready for school, uh, Heather, it's, it's a busy time. People want to, you know, they're moving kids here to fro. College is getting underway. High school is getting ready to go. Uh, normally, you and I would be getting ready for one of our favorite things this time of year in this part of the world, Grange Fair, and enjoying some of yeah. that in the, uh, in the Penns Valley area and stuff. But uh, it's a very different summer, but one where outside time is at a premium and and you know that with your family it's been you've been wanting to get the kids out and in some fresh air and they've had an opportunity to do that with a little reduction into a fall-like situation but it looks like a lot of the northeast heather is going to warm up here as we go over the next few days yeah heading into the weekend temperatures really do take a turn back the other way and for at least a lot of the mid-atlantic and up into parts of the northeast there's going to be a turn back to more humid weather as well so uh, with the temperature going up the humidity going up uh, it's definitely going to be a little bit more back to summer after like you said a nice taste of fall you know when we look at uh, this whole scenario going into this upcoming weekend a lot of this will depend on the tropical situation. There's a system that we're watching that's getting to uh, the Caribbean now. There's a thought that it comes into uh, just the Eastern Gulf and kind of goes right up on the Western side of Florida. Again, I'm, I'm making the caveat here in the everything under the sun situation. This podcast is a weekly podcast. And so it's meant to be done. We drop it Friday mornings and then we, uh, we, hold on to the content mostly if we can through the weekend and the upcoming week. So if you're looking for a specific forecast on, well, I guess there's uh, certainly uh, whether or not this has begun to become Marco or Laura. I mean, they're, they're going to be in a fight to see who gets named first, Laura or Marco. We're calling it kind of affectionately Mara because it's kind of a combination between Laura and Marco here. One of those right. names and one of those storms is going to come up. And to me, Heather, the key this weekend is whether that thing comes up into the Eastern Gulf and brings that moisture and its effects up into uh, either the west side of Florida or the eastern part of the southeast, or that keeps moving westward more through the Gulf. And I think that's one thing that we've been watching uh, in the map discussions we've been talking about. That's really going to dictate how dry the northeast and mid-Atlantic is, or whether the showers and thunderstorms and the humidity start pushing up farther north in some of those areas, I think, here over the next 24, 36, uh, 72 hours. Yeah, we're really going to have to, like you said, watch that. A lot of it's going to depend on where the Bermuda High uh, ends up setting up and how quickly that kind of builds back into the southeast. Uh, There's going to be a few days here with some enhanced rainfall across parts of the southeast, some very soggy weather there uh, with a stalled frontal boundary that's going to slowly wash out and uh, southwesterly flow carrying a lot of moisture up into that part of the country. But that really is going to kind of get squashed a bit as this high builds westward again. And that's what's going to end up steering the future Mara uh, up into some portion of the Gulf and and some portion of the Gulf Coast. So yeah, we definitely have to keep an eye on that aspect of it. And then in terms of uh, if you're looking at the eastern third of the country, 
pretty good beach weather, at least at the start from the Jersey Shore. Even the Delmarva beaches are, I think, still okay on Saturday, although by Saturday afternoon, even the Delmarva in southern Jersey, I think, has a, maybe a thunderstorm chance. I think those thunderstorm chances go farther north than as we get into Sunday. And I think even the Boston area or the South Shore, South Coast, and the Cape beaches would have thunderstorm chances as we get into Sunday. Interior parts of the northeast of New England, you stay mainly dry again, and there's some real drought building. We just talked to Paul Pastelock, Heather, about the fall forecast, and it has some potential for uh, drought continuing and some high fire danger in some of those areas in the interior parts of the northeast of New England. As it can, I mean, here in central Pennsylvania, it's like walking on cement when you're walking on your grass right now in some places. So interesting. It really learn. is. And, and there's, there's such a difference across the state of Pennsylvania from the eastern half of the state where things are plenty green and actually in some places quite wet to across central Pennsylvania where it really hasn't rained much at all. Uh, and then that carries over into the western part of the state as well. But pretty much the west branch of the Susquehanna as it flows up uh, on into uh, places like Lewisburg and north toward Williamsport, that's really kind of the cutoff between where there's been plentiful rainfall and next to none. Now let's head a little bit out west here now. Uh, so uh, if you're anywhere in the plains, you're going to have a dry weekend. The heat is building again after being camped out over the west. That kind of heat dome shifts a little bit to the east here as we go through the upcoming weekend into early next week. So Houston up through St. Louis, you're going to get in the heat again um, and uh, then up through the plains. Uh, we have been lacking monsoonal moisture. Uh, this has been really one of the least amount of monsoonal moisture. There's a little bit. So there are some chances of showers and thunderstorms uh, coming up into the southern parts of Arizona, New Mexico, and up a little bit towards Denver and Colorado, but not the kind of flow we might see. And then the warmth eases, the heat eases a little bit as uh, the jet stream comes down into the Pacific Northwest. It's going to get cool and wet here as we transition from uh, summer to fall in the Pacific Northwest as a La Nina starts to set up. It's going to be interesting, but uh, what heat we had all week, and now that transfers a little bit farther east over the next several days. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting now. We've seen the first trough move into the Northwest. Um, that's kind of starting to bring some relief, and that is kind of the beginning of, of the change that you're talking about here with the upper level ridge, the high shifting a little farther to the east, carrying that heat a little farther to the east. And that is still going to cover then a good part of the country. Like you said, you're going to have that monsoonal moisture coming on up into the southwest. You're still going to see at least some of that coming up into Southern California, but more of it now starting to head back a little bit farther to the east. But you're going to see places across the northern part of the country that aren't going to get back into the true heat. They'll get warmer, but it won't go back to the sweltering heat, for example, that the Northwest just went through. Yeah, it's going to be more the um, the sultry, late summer, kind of humid, warmth, very warm, kind of sticky, very warm conditions for the Northeast versus the blazing the heat and the dry heat that we've been seeing. So yeah, I think that, I mean, going into next week, to me, I think uh, the following week, the, the key is are we going to start seeing, as, as Dan Kalowski and others have talked about, that we were going to get into this explosive situation of uh, potential growth in the tropics and, uh, and how that impacts the weather? I mean, uh, I think uh, the southeast and up the uh, eastern seaboard, I think, really has to start paying attention to some of these things that are coming out. And we're already seeing that this weekend and certainly will have to be watched into next week. Is there anything else that you're looking at, Heather, for next week that kind of catches your eye in terms of people's planning as they're getting ready to end? their summer and get back to school? 
I think really the the fact that that ridge is going to start to spread out just becomes this broad, high pressure area that covers a good part of the country is really going to be the defining feature. And instead of having the deep trough down into the Mississippi Valley that's been sitting there and kind of dividing two areas of warmth and, and giving us kind of two different regimes, you're going to see that blending together and kind of that warmth, as you said, spreading across the country. You're going to see uh, just that heat building back into a lot of places for kind of a, a back to school special edition of, of hot weather. Yeah, Paul talked about that in the fall, that there's going to be a lot of places where people are trying to go back to school, having to wear masks, social distancing. It's not going to be very comfortable for a lot of people. So those are things that are, we're going to watch. Um, one of the things when I got to AccuWeather and I got to know Heather, we uh, Heather grew up in an area that I got to know pretty well, Northeast Pennsylvania, an area we call affectionately the Endless Mountains and that area. And so we share a lot of memories. I would spend a good amount of time. In fact, this is when I'd be up there, Heather, this week. This um, is Benton, the week. Benton Fire Carnival, remember that? And all of the, yes. all the great fire carnivals, which uh, are going on up in Northeastern Pennsylvania. I always think of Heather when I'm driving from Wilkes-Barre up to where we had a cabin up near Ricketts Glen State Park and that area, her old stomping grounds, Harvey's Lake, the old uh, Harvey's Lake. Area. That was that was always a big vacation spot for uh, all of my friends and their families. And we spent a lot of time out at Ricketts Glen hiking the Falls Trail and up at Lake Jean, and which I always jokingly called my namesake because that's my middle name. There you go. So beautiful. I claimed beautiful ownership. <laughs> yeah. So did I with uh, a few sandcastles there on the beach in the yep. summer afternoons. Heather, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah. Thank you. My pleasure. Again, friends, just a reminder, as you go through this upcoming weekend, the fourth weekend of August, and also into the following week, you want to stay tuned to our website, AccuWeather.com, to our Twitter accounts, including AccuWeather and Breaking Weather, to your AccuWeather app. Again, a reminder to check out last week's Everything Under the Sun with all of the information on the new redesign of our amazing app. So all of those places and your favorite AccuWeather media partners will keep you up to date as we watch these tropical systems and we watch the wildfires and the heat out west. And the answer the questions like, how long will the Northeast hold on to some of this nice weather before we get into some showers and thunderstorms? All of us at AccuWeather.com will be keeping you up to date on that over the coming days. Friends, that'll take us to the end of our summer series. Next week, we start our back-to-school series for all of our amazing team members at AccuWeather. We'll be working hard this weekend to keep you ahead of the storm and also in terms of our great uh, production staff here at AccuWeather.com and our podcast, including executive producers Ken Prell and Andrew Robb. I'm Dean DeVore. Thank you for your support and listenership to Everything Under the Sun. We'll talk to you next week in our Back to School series. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.